Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey everyone, this is David Chavez, the Strategy Sherpa, and I have an amazing guest today. You're going to be very excited to listen to this conversation. Um, I have Anne Whalen with us, and I know many of you may not know Anne, but she's pretty amazing. Um, she actually is on the board of directors of the Bank of Canada. She lives in Newfoundland, and I know I'm not saying that correctly, Anne. You can correct me to say it correctly. How do you how do you say it correctly? Because there's a Canadian sure way of saying it. Yes, which is yeah. Being from here, I think I get to say this is the way. So it's uh, it's Newfoundland, and Newfoundland. the way. To, so that's how we uh, how we help people learn. Thanks for having us, David. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, you're uh, you're breaking up a little bit on, on me. So um um, uh, I just wanted to let you know that. Oh. But in the meantime, I'll, I'll let everybody know. know um, so Anne owns several companies while she's uh, maybe checking her internet connection there. Um, she also has sat on, like, like I said, she sits on the uh, the Bank of Canada board. She's also sat on the board of Newfoundland Labrador Oil and Gas Industry Association. She's also sat on, found on the Newfoundland uh, Power Board. Um, and so she's been on a lot of boards and councils. Um, she's uh, has a holding company where she has several different companies in her portfolio. I think we lost Anne, but while we're waiting to get Anne back, let me go ahead and um, talk a little bit about Assured Strategy and some of the things that we're doing. Um, on October the 19th, we have um, in, in um, a webinar it's, is your efficiency costing you money? And what we're going to do is be going over how to make your business a little more efficient so that you can um, get, get your money back uh, from your company. A lot of times people have money buried all over in their company that's being wasted into inefficiency. And this webinar will really go into that. It's a great time for that too, because um, everybody's having a little bit of cash challenges with the inflation out there. And then sort of the economy starting to turn a little bit. bit. Um, then on the 26th of October, we have how to build your accountability through meeting rhythms. And you're back. I'm just going over some of our webinars. Have, glad to have you back. Um, so um, how to build your accountability through meeting rhythms and how to do, do your meetings a little bit better. And my partner, Kane Pekovic, is doing that. Then um, um, don't forget, November 9th, we have quite a few attending to accountability could be easy, but um, workshop. And it's basically how to take your time, your wasted time due to the lack of accountability in your company and make it more productive. Um, and then uh, Warren Sager, one of our coaches, is doing the seven ways to football knowledge can increase your business success on November 14th. And then we're, um, Warren and I are actually doing a scaling up workshop in Dallas on this December the 6th. And please get on our website, assuredstrategy.com slash backslash events. And, um, and we were talking about you before we lost you there for a second, but you seem to be back. So 
Yeah, I think I'm okay, David. So we had a power bump in the hotel that I'm at, and it just took that one second of switching over to UPS, I guess, and uh, and I lost everything. So uh, great to no be problem. back. Uh, it's under, understand Newfoundland, in case anybody, I don't know if you heard that part or not. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I just you just mentioned the scaling up workshop, and that's actually how uh, you and I met. Was, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to do one and uh, decided to combine it with a trip to California. And uh, there you were. So it was yeah. great. Yeah. Well, uh, and that was quite a while ago, probably about, gosh, I would say probably six to eight years ago, maybe, even maybe even longer. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, probably, ten, probably 10 years ago now, I think. Huh. Close to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's quite a while. Yeah. Uh, so so tell, tell everybody a little bit about your background because it's so diverse and it's, like you truly sure. are an entrepreneur and you're truly an amazing business person. And so why don't you share a little bit of background just so people get know who you are? Okay. Um, so I live in uh, Newfoundland, Canada, which is way out on the East Coast of Canada, much closer to Europe right now than I am to you, David. Uh -huh. uh, and other than a few years of uh, living in California, I've, I've lived here most of my life. Um, so I started out, you know, um, graduated from university, kind of floated around, wasn't really sure what to do and, you know, had an English degree and really wasn't into the whole idea of business all that much. I, I worked in kind of community development work. And then I decided at a certain point, okay, I got to pay a mortgage here and look after a kid and do all those things. So, uh, you know, I want to, um, make sure that I can can do that, and I got really attracted to the idea of uh, businesses that were in a. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Fine. You can you can hear me? Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're bright. You broke um, up a little bit for a second, but you're fine. You're back. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of thunder and lightning here, so I think it might be affecting uh, the uh, internet just, just a tad. Anyhow, um, so yeah, so uh, I started in uh, a home care kind of business and uh, decided to do some work in supporting children and youth in residential care, so bought a bunch of homes and did some group homes and really always focused on quality and community as, as part of that. Um, over the years, I mean, you talk about, you know, you said quite gracefully a minute ago, you know, that I was hey, a hey, hey, business hey, person. But hey. I would say a better description would be experienced business person because I've done some very poor things. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why don't you turn your video off? Can you hear me and okay? That, that, yeah, can right. you? Yeah, and maybe that'll help. Sure. People okay. just have to stare at um, me dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you, you can smile more, David. That's what they tell you, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> let me know if it's better. Okay. Yeah, it's better. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Okay, great. Um, so um, anyway, uh, it's, you know, the business has grown. We've, we've set up a home care agency in Florida. We've done a number of things, you know, that did work out. So a lot that didn't work out as well. It's a bit of a challenging economy here from time to time. Uh, but, you know, I think the consistent theme is here. If there's one thing that I'm pretty proud of is that we've always tried to, you know, use the core values uh, to guide how we've run our set of organizations. And so 
things come and things go. We're probably about, um, you know, approaching $60 million in annual revenue uh, now. The margin is not where it needs to be. We're recovering, you know, we're a service delivery, healthcare service delivery primarily. That was really tough through COVID. And um, so, you know, we're working our way back from that. Uh, and um, the, uh, you know, what's exciting about where we are right now is I've got fantastic leadership team. I'm transitioning over the next year or so to be chair of, uh, and CEO of the Holdco only. And so the largest operating companies have different leaders now than me, which is uh, quite a relief at this point in my life. I just turned 55. And um, so, you know, but I'm still really excited about what's next. And so we've, we've worked a lot in the last couple of years on innovation and new service models and using automation and AI and all of those things to support better service delivery, primarily in that community healthcare space. And, you know, we've, we've got a partnership with a tech company where we're developing uh, software to help people discharge earlier from hospital and all of those kinds of things. So lots of cool stuff happening. Uh, I think Very probably the, the one thing I would say at this point, David, is it feels like uh, you know, I guess I'm about 23 years into running uh, what is now this group of businesses. And it feels like we are, uh, you know, when you use all of those models about base camps and BHAGs and all of those things, it feels like we got to a BHAG that we sort of established and we didn't get a new one going right away. But I feel like there's a new one now and there's a whole new group of people to climb that mountain, which is really good. Oh, that's great. And so so you're basically coming out of the pandemic and reinventing yourself like you've always done several times over your career. And your companies are doing about 60 million, not don't have the margins yet, but um, they're it's doing a lot better now. Um, and any new businesses that came out of the pandemic? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, so they say, you know, that like... Um, in crisis, there is opportunity. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's I've, always, I've always believed that. And, uh, but that was pretty tough to swallow about, you know, two weeks into the pandemic when, you know, I literally thought, you know, at what point do we all go down together? Do I need to try to save a leadership team here and lay other people off? And I really was just not sleeping, worrying about all of those things. And because like, those were not decisions you prepare yourself for, like that kind of catastrophic decision, but I knew I had to make it. And, um, you know, then there were some government programs that helped ease some of that pain, but that took a little while to get established. But I, you know, I thought, okay, well, if not this, if we never get back to providing care out in people's homes, because that's what we were doing. And that was pretty, it was not happening in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, what else are we good at? And I actually stayed up one whole night with flip chart paper and wrote, okay, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, like not as a, you know, planning exercise, as a survival exercise, like what do we got here? And it was, it was really kind of cool. So uh, then I got three or four people together on the Zoom calls that we all got used to using and said, okay, guys, this is what we got to do. And uh, so we came up with two or three things we could do, none of which were even, you know, active businesses anywhere in our market at the time. And uh, we used our relation. We saw government struggling and we've always been able to help uh, the government 
respond to some of their community health care needs. And we saw some new ones coming out. And so we ended up um, getting a contract uh, to distribute uh, some of this pandemic related supplies because we knew where everybody was in the whole province because we were out providing care that grew uh, a bunch of things happened a couple of we took a couple of big swings we were lucky enough to get a couple of them and that that is done really well and uh, right now we're in the middle of a bid process for a 10-year uh, contract that is you know probably double in scope to the one we have right now so that's pretty mm-hmm. exciting we started a whole innovation uh, program. Uh, we took seven of our leaders. We did the Oxford Innovation Program, which is an eight-week program. And uh, we started an innovation hub uh, called Branch that uh, mm-hmm. we're developing software and technology to support some of that community service delivery. That's, you know, one of the last places typically that, uh, you know, uh, governments invest money is in, you know, community-based organizations. So we're trying to figure out because we learned during the pandemic how much you rely on all of those things and there's no information backbone for them so we're trying to build a lot of that so pretty cool stuff you know hey, let, me, uh, let, let me let me jump in here and because we got to take a break but um and we have pretty hard stops so we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk a little bit about that innovation center a little bit uh the strategy sherpa show this is david chavez with ann whalen and we'll be back in just a moment Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. 
That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. This is David Chavez. We're back, and we're with Ann Whalen, and she just dropped a bomb on us right before we went on our break, and she said she had opened an innovation center. And um, I love it because that's where we grow entrepreneurs, and she's interested in helping other entrepreneurs grow now. And so, and uh, so you took your office and created a whole innovation center in the bottom floor, and you're in St. John's, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and if you've never been to Newfoundland, New Finland, um, so I excellent, I David. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry for all the people in New Finland listening to know me because I, I apologize in advance about that because I know how particular you are about that. Um, so, so, uh, so, so, you know, um, it, it, as far as if you've never been to St. John's, incredible place to visit. In, in beautiful, beautiful place. Um, I, I even went to Fogo Island when I was there a couple of times. And if you've never been to Fogo Island, you ought to look that up and try to go one time in your life. It's pretty amazing. But Anne, so you're on this innovation center and tell us a little bit about it and what some of the successes are with it already. Right, sure. Well, the first thing I guess I should tell you is that it's in a building that is over 150 years old and uh, it survived two great fires. So the city was burnt, you know, the downtown part of the city had two big, serious fires that, you know, made tens of thousands of people homeless and that house survived both of them. So I think it's a great metaphor for, uh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) um, so our innovation center is called Branch and um, it is, you know, we had a lot of great ideas and we used to always say, you know, wouldn't it be good if, you know, this or that or the other thing and and if they did this, whoever they is. And, you know, I guess the other thing that drove that sort of innovation was always one of our core values. We always had, you know, find a better way. And we found that, you know, we were finding a better way, but we weren't always, you know, taking that through to how we could benefit from it and monetize it, you know, and commercialize it. So there was a lot of thinking around how we could, how we could, you know, what, what the next phase of our organization would look like. So we said, all right, we got to get this innovation thing going. We weren't sure how we did that course. And we said, okay, we're going to start with some internal innovation. And then we quickly realized that we could change a lot of, you know, incremental things quickly, but those sort of disruptive ideas took a little more firepower. So had to commit a fair chunk of budget to, you know, putting this together for a couple of years. And uh, at the same time, we invited partnerships with entrepreneurs that uh, we knew they could use our help and we could use their help. And so we have a couple of entrepreneurs in place. One who uh, does a specialized um, payroll and accounting service for people who hire their own care workers. And uh, so they're doing some really cool things there. And another one is uh, about um, appointment alerts and reminders and ways to use um, AI tools to make that more likely that people will attend their appointment with all the right stuff done. And, you know, sounds pretty basic, but those are things that fix, you know, their healthcare solutions for sure, right? And they they support individuals in the community as opposed to the acute care hospital system. So, and there's a bunch of other things at the ideation phase or whatever. So we allow like our employees who have an idea 
to work in the innovation center part of the time and we support them. You know, we've got three engineers on staff there uh, who can put together some software stuff. So we're, you know, we got a bunch of ideas on the on the wall right now around non-emergency medical transportation using community volunteers and cool stuff. Uh, you know, uh, Meals on Wheels to utilize, you know, all of these Lions Clubs and things that are around communities that are never used the way they were. So could we put some money in their pockets by having them run a Meals on Wheels program? And then that actually helps seniors and, and helps long-term care systems be more sustainable. So lots of really cool things happening, David. And, you know, tied That's right great. back for purpose too. So, you know, I think uh, it's why people have found the energy to do it because it what's is your, like, what's your what's your purpose unlocking potential in our people and our communities i love it so, i love it yeah yeah you've yeah. had that for quite a while now too yeah so, right? yeah yeah that's great yeah. so so um the, the the purpose of the strategy sherpa show in its current form is for us to get into some of the things that maybe you didn't do well and as an entrepreneur I, one of the things i've always loved about you because i've known you for a while now is that you're so candid about stuff you've done incorrectly and you're so willing to share it with people because you want not not to judge you, but to really help them learn to do better, right? Because you have a big heart in that way. You want to help people do better in their business. And um, so, so why don't you share with us one of the things that you um, struggled with as an entrepreneur uh, uh, a little bit? So, David, you know, if you're one of those people who's always on that journey of self-improvement, you know that the universe keeps sending you the lesson until you learn it, right? And I think that's that's true <laughs> in business, too. So uh, for everybody out there who's listening, if you have the same problem, keep coming back to you. It means you haven't learned the lesson yet. So, uh, you know, that has happened uh has happened to me repeatedly in different areas. And, you know, my husband says to me, and, you know, uh, one of the best things about you is that you always see the best in people. And one of the worst things about you is that you always see the best in people. And because uh, you overlook, that, you know, so, um, um, so, you know, David, I think there's, there's a dozen examples of that that I could give. And, Trying to, you know, uh, run an organization tied to your core values, tied to unlocking potential in people means you're always going to, uh, you know, apply the benefit of the doubt kind of thing. But, yep. uh, you know, there's there's places where you still need to have the backbone to make the right call. And that's okay. something that I've struggled with, uh, you know, a couple of times. So I'll sort of set the context for you a little bit in terms of, um uh, so I really, I guess, you know, fundamentally without, uh, without telling the whole story up front that, you know, I should have made the decision that a couple of really uh, important senior people needed to leave my organization. I didn't make the call. And I don't want any of the listeners here to think, you know, how when you go to a job interview and you say, you know, what is your weakness? And somebody says, oh, well, I'm such a hard worker. I don't give myself a break. And so really, you're not saying it's a weakness. And so I'm not saying that was my mistake was that I should have fired somebody because everybody can nod and say that. But my mistake was that I let my own um, ego, if you will, and really my own uh, set of, you know, I think it was a bit of weakness on my part in uh, being so afraid to deal with the things myself without those other people there that I trusted 
and who had at you know, a point violated the trust that I was kind of afraid to let them go. That's the mistake. It's, I mean, the other per- people made mistakes too, but really, you know, as, as the leader, as the entrepreneur, that was really the mistake that I thought I would talk to you about today. So, oh, okay. So, so what your mistake is, is what you're saying is, is that um, you didn't see needing to let somebody go at the time when you needed to let them go. That's right. Okay. That's right. I tried okay. to explain it away. I tried to make it not be true in the way that, you know, that it would still work for me. But, uh, and I can tell you the moment when I made the decision otherwise, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I think, you know, in retrospect, it seems so black and white, but it truly wasn't. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. So, okay. we went so, 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 so uh, oh, oh, go ahead. I, I, I'm yeah. sorry. You, you're just going to go, go into your story. <laughs> All right. So we went, you know, my company grew very quickly. Uh, you know, I guess I started around 2003. And around 2007 through 10, you know, we double, double, doubled three years in a row. So we went from um, 2 million to 4 million to 8 million to 16 million to $20 million in a five-year period. And so, you know, I had like one person doing bookkeeping when I started. And so trying to incrementally add people, like we, I was at a point where, you know, I did not have the you know, the senior office infrastructure to manage, you know, that size of a business that was done, let's say, you know, 30 bucks at a time revenue wise, right? So it was a lot of transactions to support. So I uh, was in the peak oil boom of Newfoundland and Labrador, and it was really hard to hire anybody. So I advertised for a chief financial officer. I hired somebody from um, Saskatchewan, another part of Canada. And uh, I knew I relocated them. I did all that. And I knew that they weren't right after a few months, like just not right. And so before their six month probationary period was over, I walked in the office. I did what I needed to do. I gave that person relocation money again. It was an expensive mistake, but I had what I guess my point in telling you this is I'd already exited one chief financial officer. And then I hired another one who it turned out to be really good. And um, we were about the same age. We became fast friends, hired a, an executive assistant around the same time. And all three of us, you know, kind of worked in like two offices next to each other. And then the, you know, executive assistant there and lots of cool stuff happened. And that was around the time I met you, David, and you would have, you would have met both of those individuals as well. And yeah. so, at the time, then, you know, the oil industry kind of crashed. We had done a number of acquisitions, including some in health and safety related spaces that were more tied to workplace. And so all of that was falling to pieces. Um, it was really challenging. It was tough for me to do it, you know, by myself. And I had a lot of new team members who just didn't kind of have the experience of difficult times. Uh, we went, government went to contract for a big chunk of our work and it was kind of an all or nothing approach. And so, you know, that CFO was really helpful in all of those things and critical to it. I don't want to say helpful, critical to it. Yeah. And, so, 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 yeah. but you not only had the CFO in a critical role, your assistant being so critical to you being as effective as you can be. So the three of you together were like a team because- Absolutely. You're because you were doing all these acquisitions at the time, you had all these companies that were starting to have some problems. 
you knew that you could turn them around. You just needed the right people around you. And so you brought these people in. And let's continue this conversation on the other side of the break because um, we got to take a break right now and we can get into a little bit what led. So we sort of understand what led to this situation. It's like um, you had a bookkeeper, you needed more financial sophistication now that things were the tide was starting to turn a little bit. And so you went out to try to hire the uh, hire the CFO to to provide some of that. And then this really good assistant, too. Is that yeah. is that correct? Okay. That's it. All right. So let's take a break. And I just wanted to remind everybody that we do have webinars and some uh, live events too. Get on uh, shirtstrategy.com events and we'll uh, take a look at those. And we'll be right back in just a moment. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And get amplified. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right. I'm David Chavez. We're at Strategy Sherpa Show, and we're talking to Ann Whalen, and she has just um, explained to us that she had the powerhouse team. There were three of them that were really trying to take their company through a, a little bit of a downturn in their providence um, due to oil and gas starting to decrease a little bit um, because uh, Newfoundland um, and St. John's are very reliant on the oil and gas industry, right? Because there's a lot of drilling offsite. And so why don't you just 
pick it up from there, Anna, share with us what happened that led to this situation. Sure. Um, you know, David, as often happens in workplaces, uh, you know, these two folks started to have a personal relationship and, you know, they were both, I knew their families, you know, we went to each other's houses at Christmas time and all that. And, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, they, they ended up having an affair. And um, I found out about it. Uh, and you know about this because I found out about it the night before we were supposed to start our annual planning and uh, had to walk in the room the next day. And I just, I was absolutely, I even had like a little shell-shocked feeling just talking about it now. Like it, it I, like that nervousness comes back because I was like, I don't know what to do. And these are the two people I rely on the most. And so I thought, you know, the first thing I thought was, I will try to be a more progressive, new agey boss. These things happen. Long as everybody's operating in their core values, you know, this will be fine. But, you know, without trying to lay a lot of blame on, you know, what they chose to do, um, situations like that are very disruptive to your company, you know, because people find out, people know, their families didn't know. Uh, it was really awkward. And, you know, if you're perpetuating that kind of thing, you know, what you permit, you promote, then you start to see all kinds of other offside behaviors in the organization. How could I call people on stuff when I wasn't calling, you know, so, and I really, really struggled with that. I mean, I, you know, we all celebrated New Year's Eve together. And so yeah. it was, it was really, really difficult. And, you know, we had this, um, uh, daycare business that we bought as part of an expansion plan. And of course, uh, then, you know, when the oil sort of slowed down, the area that we had it in was in an area where there's a lot of people who worked in that industry. And so there was, you know, there's lots of de like the shrinking demand. And uh, I had actually given the CFO shares in that company uh, as part of a retention strategy. And so, you know, I was, he was supposed to take on the responsibility of really trying to keep an eye on that one and keep it going. And um, as it turns out, like some of the basic things just weren't getting done, like just yeah. not at all. And, uh, you know, so I had a few of the, the talks that you need to have with people and said, I'm, you know, all the, all the things that you think would be the right thing to do. And then I made something that I'm really not proud of. I made the decision that I should, um, my EA, I had moved into another role um, that was not directly in the office. Like I moved the problem rather than dealt with the problem. And then I found out, you know, and she was going through her own things in her life. And I found out that she wasn't going to work all the time and all that. And so I, you know, I, I fired her. And that was not the right thing to do, uh, really. I mean, it may have been uh, as part of the right thing to do, but you don't blame one person for a problem that two people are involved in either. Right. And so I did that and I'm, I'm sorry about that. And that one, you know, um, uh, was, was tough. And, uh, but I tell you what, I was backbone. I had fired one CFO already. I knew it would be very after yeah. that, you know? Yep. Uh, we're losing you a little bit. So may want to turn off video while you tell this part. Turn off my video again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hopefully that's better, David. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I was really afraid to, you know, uh, make a decision around the CFO, uh, because, um, you know, 
how was I going to manage through all of this by myself? And uh, you t- hiring people takes time and there wouldn't have been a lot of confidence in the organization, you know, having let this person go without anybody understanding why and all of that stuff. And it would have, you know, it would have kind of outed some of that to families and everything. And I was just, I was so afraid, but I knew that we were failing miserably all over the place. And I went to this conference and I invited him to go with me. And it was about family business and how to grow family businesses and stuff. And it really was intended to be an opportunity for us to have a couple of those good conversations and say, okay, we've got to sort this out one way or the other. And a retired general came in and spoke and he told a story about joining a board. And he almost told the exact story that I just told you about what happened. And he said, you know, once a person really uh, if they're that senior in your organization, that people can see them get away with what's a clear violation of, of trust, um, they will never trust the CEO again if you don't do something about it. And I remember sitting there and thinking, I know what I got to do. And it was heartbreaking. And um, so, and it was not easy to untangle because of the shares, because of the family issues, because of you know, severance requirements and all of those things and the business state we were in at the time. And then I, you know, had to get up and go to work kind of all by myself and figure all this out. And that was a really, really, really tough time. And uh, it took me a long time to not feel personally hurt by that. And I dragged too much of it into the workplace. So everybody around me felt it too. And so I had to have that team learn to trust me again. And it trusts that if I put them in harm's way again, or I saw that happening, that I would act more um, timely and forcefully uh, to do that. And so, you know, I always say it's a lesson in putting on your big girl panties and people, you know, but it's more than that, David. It is about like understanding that fundamental trust that people need to have in their senior leadership team. And that is not just a policy playbook like that has to be right to the heart of, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to have you have shares in this company with me, if I'm going to have you uh, be uh, the right hand uh, to the left hand kind of thing, then you have to have a level of trust and clear expectations and no go zones. And yeah. we were so in a no go zone and I didn't know how to I couldn't get it back. I thought there was a way I could fix it. It was not mine to fix. I had to do something different. So, yeah, you know, that, and, was, that was a lesson. Yeah, I, I, I think that re- remembering back to this time, because I remember how much you struggled with this. And I, I I really wanted to talk to the audience about the struggle, really, that you went through. Because, you know, look, these are two people's lives. It's up to them how they lead it. You're not trying to tell them how to lead their lives. But at the same time, you're trying to run a business and that business is getting disrupted by this relationship and this relationship is causing you problem. Then you go and you let the uh, the lady go and you don't let the um, the gentleman go. And it sort of had it started having turmoil on you a little bit um, because you felt like you were picking and choosing on that uh, asides on that is that is that sort of how you felt i I mean i don't want to put words in your mouth yeah i mean i i i think it's only after the fact that i felt i was picking sides um i just thought i was saving the most necessary parts and getting rid of some of the problem that's what i 
that's how I thought I was what I thought I was doing at the time. Looking and back on it, I realized, you know, that was pretty ethically wrong to do what I did. But um, at the time, I didn't realize that it was like, OK, well, I can get a new EA, but I can't get a new CFO. So you got to go. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, that was what I did. And that was not right. Um, so but the turmoil was, you know, I, I was really afraid I wouldn't be able to recruit somebody else. We weren't in a good financial position. So much stuff had been so poorly done for a year that it was like our numbers were not in good order. You know, so this, guy, this, this guy was not doing his job. No. Yeah. No. So so all this distraction distracted him from what he was doing. And this guy this guy was fairly um he he was a, a great candidate for this oh, job. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I know he didn't mean it to happen that way. So you know when it's a person that Most you definitely. know this is not your finest hour, you are better than this and you keep thinking they're going to come around. And uh, so it was it was all of those things. It was not right. somebody who was marginal before. It was someone who was excellent. And, right. you know, I kept thinking, okay, okay, maybe they'll get this straightened out and we can move on from here. But I let that go too long. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, it was just ugly by the time it all went down. And it, it, I should have done the right thing earlier. And I think, you know, um, it has taught me, though, to do things differently differently. Uh, uh, going forward without being harsher. I don't think I'm a more tougher boss. I just think I know when we're at the right end here. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think this is what yeah. a lot of leaders struggle with. It's like, um, how do I get the right team around me? And you, you're, you're on this path where you're thinking, okay, I want to go from 20 to 60 million like you are now. And how do I get there with the people that I have? And, and then how, and then who do I need on my team? So you spent a lot of time and effort. Cause I remember how much time and effort you put into these people, getting them on board. And so your psyche is, is that you're bringing in the right people and you vetted them quite a bit. Is that fair? That's true. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then um, they show up and, and again, I, I think you said this really, really well. You know, their intention wasn't to come in and start this affair. It just it, these no. are things that happen, right? And and then you were willing to look past it, but then you had to make sure that they were both doing their jobs. But then you found out they weren't, right? I mean, I remember the the lady you had found that she wasn't showing up to work, and she was actually running one of your companies. Isn't that correct? That's right. Yeah. Right. And then she wasn't showing up to work sometimes. And then um, then the financials weren't getting done. And so let's talk about it on the other side, what some of the valuable lessons you've learned from this situation happening and how you've handled those going forward. Because I think all of us have been there at one time or another. We want to do the right things. We also want to recognize that people have privacy and that um, their personal lives are theirs. Um, but when it started affecting your business and, and what was going on, that was the harder part for you. And I definitely remember having that conversation right before the night of that retreat, um, where you had discovered that, that this was going on. So let's come back and, and talk about that a little bit, and then we'll, uh, conclude the show. But, um, thank you very much. And this is a strategy Sherpa show with David Chavez and Ann Whalen, and we'll be back in just a moment.
Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. This is David Chavez, and we're back. And I just want to tell you, if you've been listening up to now, um, a pretty, pretty crazy story so far. And then, um, if you haven't been, you may want to jump, jump, go back and listen a little bit on this, uh, topic, but, 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 and so you have this situation, um, happen, you have two people that you loved and you trusted a lot, violated a lot of that for you. Um, and you ended up having to get rid of both of them. And tell us what happens after that. Like, uh, how have you handled, because, you know, look, affairs are a part of running a company. It just happens, right? And so right. I, I, I think that it's pretty natural for those things to end up happening. But um, tell me how you've handled some of these situations going forward. Yeah, yeah, David. And, you know, there was a sort of a growing maturity on how I handled all of that. One of the things that I did right away was kind of, have a proactive disclosure policy around that kind of stuff so that you have to tell. And there's some rules around all that. So that was, you know, the sort of housekeeping kind of things that I did um, right off the bat. We had a core value of fun in our organization and we still do. But right. I, I, I put some more work into defining what was fun to make sure that we weren't over the edge in terms of 
you know, the kind of jokes that people told in the office, the sort of things that were okay and not okay. And it doesn't mean that it became, you know, like the handmaid's tale or anything, but it was just a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more on course uh, that, you, you know, you would expect from a mid-sized kind of company. So it did some of those things. But where I think I really matured as a leader was starting to understand what's my job in the culture and the values of this organization. And it was that general didn't talk about what the CFO should have done. It's what the CEO should have done when they found out was the problem with the organization. And so, uh, you know, I had to learn that it was my job to teach everyone in the company that we all have to follow the core values. And that if you're not living up to it, sure, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity to, um, to, to improve or change your ways. But when you really violate values, different than, you know, accountability or work that you had to do, it's hard to come back from that. And sometimes that is a showstopper. And so I have had to, since that time, make that decision for different reasons, but always a violation of core values in one way or another. Uh, and I've been, you know, unimpeachable on, on how I've dealt with that. So now everyone knows. Everyone knows in this organization, there is an accountability on you to live those core values. And right through my management group, you get challenged on it if you're not quite living up to it. And if you do something that's really um, egregious, uh, you know, depending how it works, we're going to have a conversation about that. And it might mean that you don't, you know, you can't be at that organization anymore. So I had something similar happen with, you know, um, couple people on an HR team, which is also at a Christmas party kind of thing. And all, and one of them was definitely in a position of power over the other one. And we had to get on a flight the next day or the day after to go somewhere together. And we had the talk. And that talk was, this can never happen again. This is the apology that you need to write. This is what's going down. And this person had lived through all that other stuff. And she's, you know, she stared at the floor and said, you're absolutely correct. And not an issue. We dealt with it. And everybody, it was told by Monday morning, everybody knew what had happened. You know, not the details, but so I just, I just knew how to handle it better, David. And what has happened is it's given me a confidence going into any situation that I know what I'm going to do if it starts to go off the rails. I'm going to handle it as opposed to try to step back and see if it's going to be okay. Like that sort of uh, you know, and even when you really need that person, you really can't have a person in your organization who is underperforming, who's at a senior level, and who is is kind of not living up to what yeah. people need. You know, they need the guidance from that person. And if they can't do that, then they can't be there, no matter how much good work they've done in the past. I mean, yeah, if somebody is sick and they need to be off or something like that, that's a little bit different. But if you're gonna if you're gonna be in a senior leadership job, you gotta show up. You gotta yeah. show up. And so, so, so yeah. So you said said a couple of things that you learned from it. So one, you're you're gonna deal with these things much quicker this time, and not yeah. so since that situation took place probably about ten years ago. You any other situation that you've had like this that's come up, you've dealt with it right away. Um, I think one of the things you struggled with at the time was to, uh, like trying to figure out what should you do, right? right? And and what you discovered is you should do is 
you should pay attention to your core values and use them to guide you through the conversations you need to have. Right. Absolutely. Is that a fair way of saying it? That would be exactly the way to say it. Yeah. Okay. And because that's what I picked up from everything that you said is that, and then um, let me challenge you a little bit on this call with your core values. Share with everyone your core values. Our community, they've changed a little bit in the words, but uh, it's essentially uh, entrepreneurship, community, action, integrity, and fun. Okay. All right. And and, uh, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. And so we have a bunch of descriptors under each of those. And it it clearly would have told me what I needed to do. I just didn't do it. Right, right. And and that's what I was getting to. So so like you had all these 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 guidelines of behavior Mm -hmm. and um, you knew what you needed to do. You were struggling with it. And so whenever you use the core values, it just makes those decisions pretty simple then, right? It's like, it, it's well, not, it doesn't make it easy. It just makes it simple that you know what you need to do. It doesn't make it easy to have that conversation. Yeah, David, that's exactly right. And so I was looking for easy. I was looking for it not to be problematic to me because the first thing that happened if I let the two of those people go in that situation is I had nobody in my, like that was our executive office. That was it. And so then what do you do, Anne? And so like it was really, really quite challenging. The work, you know, just getting the work done because digging myself out of that hole was very, very challenging. And, but, you know, I felt so much better about myself and my leadership, not day one, but Day 30 onwards, I would say, uh, you know, and I think the team started to trust that I was, you know, with my, when the chips were down, I would do the right thing for them and make sure they had a job and a place to go to work and all of those things. And so that is my job. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I like to think about like when I think about these things, because you probably had about 100 people at that time, you feed probably three people from every one person you have, right? Mm-hmm. And so you had 300 people counting on you to eat. And um, these people may have been stopping some of that. But Anne, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. I appreciate everything that you said. I mean, I think these lessons are really valuable and you covered them really well. And I really appreciate you coming on. Um, Don't forget, everybody, December the 6th, I will be doing a scaling up workshop in Dallas with my uh, one of my coaching partners, uh, Warren Sager. And and thank you very much for coming today. We appreciate your candidness. And um, we are sharing during one of the breaks that um, when I asked you to come on the show and share something that you didn't do as well, you you had said the same. We joked a little bit during the break. It's like, OK, I have a laundry list, a long laundry list of things I didn't I do. So well. you on that, David, a whole season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, well, it's sort of funny because the the older we get, the less we worry about our egos being damaged right. by these things. It's just part of growing, right? So what we're Absolutely. doing is trying to share with people so you don't make the same silly mistakes. Ann Whalen, thank you very much. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez, and we appreciate you coming and visiting us. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.